0: Welcome future doctors to another episode of the Future Minority
1: Doctor podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Welcome back future doctors. We're so glad you've chosen to join us for another episode. Today we want to dive into the topic of growth mindset. It's a concept in psychology that has become very popular in the last decade or so. It's basically a way of looking at your life and your abilities in a more positive or optimistic way.
0: Okay, Dr. Marina. So I know a lot of people here listening are thinking, wait a minute, this podcast is supposed to be about being a doctor. Why are we talking about psychology?
1: So remember in episode one, we said that becoming a doctor is not just about taking classes and passing tests. In order to succeed in those classes and to pass those tests, you have to believe in your ability to succeed. Your beliefs about yourself and your ability to do hard things are all in your brain. And that's what psychology is all about. All those complicated things that go on in your brain and affect how you see yourself and the world around you. There's a quote from Tony Robbins who's a life coach and a business guru. And I really like this quote. It says success in life is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. Dr. Zulma, I think I recall you majored in psychology in college. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, so I did. I I majored in psychology. I took a huge interest into just uh, human behavior. I would agree with Tony Robbins. I think um, when I decided to uh, major in psychology, it was largely because I was trying to understand my family, my friends, and myself, my world, everything that I had seen growing up. I also often questioned how it was that within a family, siblings could be so different. They're all raised under the same roof, same parents, same rules, but yet within that family, success could be so different for each one of them. And I think what the quote you just said is is what answers this. I feel that the psychology and the resilience that each individual develops allows for most of the success and not necessarily because anyone is smarter or has more brains. I do have to mention though that success is really subjective, so it's very different for everyone what success actually means. So through the study of psychology, um, I also ended up It ended up being a journey of self-discovery, and beginning to understand the why. But going back, circling back to what Tony Robbins said, I definitely agree that success, most of it, has to do with the psychology.
1: Yeah, looking back at my own journey to becoming a doctor, I think I also agree with that quote. Um, yes, I had to put in the long hours in the lecture halls and in the library, mes- memorizing. Those darn chemical reactions and how the kidneys work and all of that. But if you think about what is it that kept me going and what is it that kept me doing all of that hard work, what helped me to persevere when I failed a couple of exams, it was all of the thoughts and the beliefs in my mind or my psychology.
0: Okay, so now let's break it down then so uh, we can explain it or so our
1: listeners can understand the difference.
0: So, what exactly is growth mindset?
1: So the term growth mindset was developed by a psychology researcher named Carol Dweck. When she was a young researcher in about the early 1970s, she was doing research studies to try to figure out how people cope with difficult situations and failures. She did a really cool experiment where she gave young children puzzles to solve. And the first puzzles were pretty easy. And then each puzzle got a little bit harder and a little bit harder. She was taken by surprise when she saw how some of the kids responded to the puzzles. In particular, there was a 10 year old boy who got really excited and said, I love a challenge. And another boy smiled and said, you know, I was hoping this would be informative. Dr. Dweck says she remembered seeing these kids and thinking, what is wrong with them? She hadn't expected children to actually like doing something hard and something that they could possibly fail at. So when I heard this story, I kind of thought back to myself as a child, and I wondered, huh, how would, like, young Marina respond to that (laughs) experiment? And honestly, I probably would have started out with those easy puzzles, gotten them right, you know, felt pretty good about myself, and then as they started to get harder, I would probably have gotten a little bit discouraged and given up, somewhat quickly. I probably would have felt a little bit dumb for not being able to figure it out. And I'm sure I would have looked around the room and kind of looked at other kids to figure out how they were reacting to the situation as well. What about you, Dr. Zulma? What do you think young Zulma would have done mm-hmm. in that situation? Oh, wow. So
0: let's see. When I was young, I actually liked difficult tasks when I was a kid. Um, I liked taking the challenge. That might be more as what my parents would say. I was a stubborn little kid, so I wouldn't give up until like I could figure something out. I remember, too, when we were little that With my cousins and and my siblings, we had a Nintendo. And this is the old school Nintendo, not what you guys have nowadays. But um, they would want to play Mario Brothers, racing games, and so on. I actually liked more of the nerdier games, um, which my family hated playing with me. Um, There was was a, a game called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? And then there's Jeopardy. I liked reading those questions and trying to figure out what the answer was you know as as i think about this though so i enjoyed the challenge but i think i liked it only if i was at home i think if i was given this difficult puzzle in a classroom or where i was around other kids i probably would not want to do it and the reason being is that i didn't want to be judged or if i couldn't complete the task i didn't want others or my peers to think that i was stupid or dumb so i think it really depends on the environment where this puzzle was given. So if it was at home, I'd probably want to keep doing harder puzzles and more difficult puzzles. But if I was in the classroom, I probably would pick the the easier puzzles and then give up with the harder ones.
1: Interesting. Yeah, it really goes to show how much fear of judgment we can experience, even from the time we're in elementary school. And even before that, it also makes me think about how we're raised to think about ourselves. So, you know, sometimes growing up Parents or teachers will say, oh, you're so smart, or you're such a good athlete, or you're so pretty, or you're so this. And that starts that belief system of thinking that we are just sort of born a certain way. Um, But we'll get into that a little later. So going back to Carol Dweck's experiments, after that experience with the young boys, she started doing more experiments to try to understand what was going on in the minds of those kids who seemed to get excited by the challenges instead of just giving up. So she's done over 30 years of research showing that the type of mindset a person has affects the way they lead their life, and it can affect how successful they are in achieving their goals, whatever the goals might be. So in her work, she defined two types of mindsets. The first is called fixed mindset. This is basically the belief that you were just born a certain way, and there's pretty much nothing you can do to really change it. For example, you're born smart or dumb, or you're born selfish or unselfish. In other words, your abilities and your personality traits are pretty much carved in stone. The second kind of mindset is called growth mindset. This is the belief that you might be born a certain way, but you can change your abilities and even your personality traits through effort and training. Okay, so now that we have an
0: idea of what fixed mindset versus growth mindset is, let's go ahead and maybe if you can give some examples, Dr. Marina, of what fixed mindset
1: is. Sure. Yeah, it helps to look at examples to really understand these. So first with fixed mindset. IQ tests are an example of something that encourages a fixed mindset. IQ stands for intelligence quotient. And the idea is that someone can take a test that measures how intelligent they are. These tests can be given to kids as young as four or five years old, even sometimes younger. I remember when I was in about second or third grade, I took an IQ test given at my school. And because I scored pretty high on that, I was actually placed in special classes that were for quote unquote gifted and talented students. So that was great for me because I got to be in classes with really good teachers and more enrichment, but it really wasn't great for the kids who Did not get chosen and had to stay in those standard classes. So at the age of eight or nine already, they were being labeled as not gifted and talented. And some kids were. The simple act of just being labeled as one thing or another from just a single test is really powerful. And I think that that kind of thing can have lifelong effects on how we think about ourselves. And this kind of labeling can happen not just in school, but outside of school too. We can be told that we're good or bad at something like singing or good or bad at soccer or good or bad at playing the violin or piano or whatever it might be. And we actually can start to believe it pretty early on. So instead of just practicing singing or practicing soccer or practicing violin until we get better, we tend to just believe what other people think and we just give up. So I was recently watching a show on Netflix, which some of you might have seen, called The Queen's Gambit. It's about an orphan girl who learns how to play chess from the janitor at her orphanage. And she quickly discovers that she's actually really good at chess. After just a short while, she's beating the janitor and she's also beating the high school chess club students. And the show kind of shows how she's able to see the pieces moving around in her mind. And because she's able to visualize everything so well, she's able to figure out all of the moves that she needs to take in order to win the game. But because chess came so easily to her, she's convinced that she's sort of a naturally skilled player. She's an intuitive player, and she doesn't really need to study books to get better. And it isn't until she loses a big game that she starts to realize that maybe it's not all natural skill and that studying some books can help her get better. So that initial belief she has that either you just naturally have it or you don't is an example of a fixed mindset. I'm curious, Dr. Zulma, can you think of an example... From your own life of the time that you had a fixed mindset
0: Jeez, I think I've had many examples <laughs> um, and I think it's largely too related as you stated earlier. Um, I was also given that same IQ test when I was like in third grade mm-hmm. So even for oneself, you're already labeled as being smart so I think you kind of feel like there's that added pressure that for the rest of your life you're expected to do, great. And if it's not great, then you're the opposite. But I'll give an example because this one I I struggled with a lot. So when I went back to do my pre-med courses at community college, uh, I had to take physics and I had never taken physics before. I was just not good at it. That was, I ended up getting a D on my first physics exam. And I remember after doing that and getting the grade and seeing the grade, I completely shut down. I remember I went home and I cried, I prayed, and really was reconsidering this whole thing about pursuing medical school. I really thought I was the dumbest person in the world. I thought that by, by not doing well in this physics exam, there was no way I could be a doctor. And I and I really did believe that you had to be good at physics in order to be a doctor, although being a physicist and being a doctor is completely different. But I didn't I did I didn't understand that because I was defining myself by that test. Uh, luckily, I did have a friend at that time that was in medical school already, and she told me that I didn't need to be great in physics to be a doctor, that I just needed to try my best and get through it because it's a checkbox that you need in order to apply. So this is the only reason why I stuck it out. Now, I do realize that many of you who are listening might not have a friend or a family member that's a doctor or in medical school. I think at that point when my breaking point, I was lucky I had that friend that was in medical school because I don't think if I had that, I might have given up. So, hopefully after me sharing this with you, if you are in college already and you've already had a a poor grade, this is me, your friend, your auntie, your mentor telling you it's okay it doesn't mean it shouldn't define you and it doesn't mean that you can't be a doctor here you are listening to a doctor who got a d on her first exam i will say i never ended up being great at physics but i was able to try and practice and i put my heart into it the highest grade i got was a b minus but that was okay with me
1: that's a great example thank you for sharing that
0: What about you, Dr. Marina? Can you think of an example?
1: Yeah, so from my life, you know, I think probably the biggest example that comes to mind is that, you know, I shared in, I think, episode three, my story and about how I struggled with depression for many years during both college and medical school. And when I think back to why I was depressed, a lot of it has to do with believing in negative thoughts about myself. Um, like, you know, like you said, with the test, you get a poor grade and you start to internalize that you start to believe that that grade defines who you are. And I fell for that. You know, Like, there were so many times when I thought I'm not smart enough to be a doctor, I got down on myself a lot. I believed the labels that I was being given by these test scores and the grades and the judgment of people who really didn't even know me very well. And so believing all those negative things about myself had very negative effects on my mental health. And luckily, I was able to go through therapy and begin that process of undoing that kind of thinking. So I hope after you've heard Dr.
0: Marina and I share experiences, you have at least an idea of what fixed mindset is. So Dr. Marina, um, let's talk about the second type of mindset, the better type of mindset that we should all work for. Um, can you give some examples of what growth mindset is? Of course.
1: This example is from uh, Carol Dweck's book, and I liked it. Most of us know who Michael Jordan is. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He played 15 seasons in the NBA and won six championships with the Chicago Bulls. But, you know, was he just born an amazing basketball player? Like, was he born out of the womb already, like (laughs) dribbling (laughs) a basketball? Um, He wasn't. You know, nobody is. He was actually cut from his high school varsity basketball team. He also wasn't chosen by the college he wanted to go to or by the first two NBA teams that could have picked him. He was one of the hardest working basketball players in history, though. Um, When he got cut from the high school varsity team, his mom kind of encouraged him to keep going and keep trying and work really hard. And so he started getting up extra early to practice before school. He would leave the house at like six in the morning to go practice before school started. And then when he was in college, he was constantly putting in extra effort to improve on his weaknesses. One time when his team lost a game, I think it was the final game of a season, he went and he practiced his shots for four hours after the game. Even when he was in the NBA, he was known for his determination and his efforts to keep improving. So, this is an example of growth mindset knowing that no matter where you start, you can and you will get better if you put in the effort. You know, he could have easily when he was cut from that high school team, thought, well, I'm just not really cut out to be a basketball player. But he didn't do that. He knew that if he put in the effort, he could get better. You you know,
0: Dr. Marina, I want to add to that. I did see uh, a couple months ago, a documentary also about Kobe Bryant. And again, here's a, you know, a, a big NBA player for the Lakers. And he also, very similar to Michael Jordan, he mentions how he just wasn't good. He actually, when he didn't have a good game, he went after for hours and he said it was like one, two in the morning and practice and practiced as much as he could. So I think it's really a, um, important to see that sometimes what we see on the outside that we think they're just naturals is not necessarily true. If you look yeah. underneath, there's actually a lot of effort that has been put A lot of work, a lot of time to get to what you're seeing
1: visually. Definitely. Another example that I like of growth mindset involves the story of this teacher named Jaime Escalante. I actually saw a movie that was based on him that was made, I think, in the late 80s. It's called Stand and Deliver. But basically, he was a high school math teacher working in inner city Los Angeles in the early 80s. He worked with a lot of kids who came from basically working class families, and a lot of them struggled a lot in school. These were the kind of kids that many people would look at and just assume that they would end up joining gangs or becoming teen parents or dropping out of high school. But Escalante saw the potential in these kids, and he convinced a group of them that if they learned math, they could improve their chances of success in the future. They could become mathematicians, engineers, computer scientists and just really improve their future. So he decided to start teaching an AP calculus class. He trained his students that any of them could learn calculus if they had the desire and they just put in the effort. So like we say in Spanish, he would tell them, echa ganas, which is like saying, give it all you've got. And after a few years, his class sizes got larger and most of the students were actually passing this AP calculus test. And that helped them to go on to college A lot of them got into the University of Southern California, which is a pretty elite college in California, um, as well as to many of the Cal State universities. So, you know, this is an amazing story. I remember watching this when I was in high school and just, you know, learning from that, a little bit of that message of growth mindset that no matter what someone else assumes about you, if you work hard, you can succeed. What about Dr. Zuma again? Thinking of your life, What's an example of growth mindset from your own life?
0: So I'm still working on the growth mindset. I think this is something that you will actively continue to learn and try to practice. But what I can recall is when I was in residency, I ended up realizing, we used to do these yearly practice uh, board exams, and I think what I learned there was that A test does not define your overall knowledge. So when I took that first test after my first year of residency or within first year of residency, I didn't do great at all, but I didn't, I didn't really get down on myself. I said, Oh, this is more a measure of what I need to practice, what I need to learn more. So I took a different approach I don't recall feeling bummed out after I saw the results on the practice test or anything. It was more so, okay, let me review my questions. Let me see what I missed. And it seems like these are my weakness areas. So I need to put more time into those areas. So when I come around and take this test again next time. So I think as far as growth mindset, I'm still practicing it. And I think it's something that you have to continue to practice within any area of your life. But if I'm going to share an example, I think it's, uh, I started understanding, although not knowing what the definition was, was when I was in residency, we did yearly practice board exams to prepare us for the actual board exam when we're done with residency. And I recall the first one that I took, I didn't do well at all, but instead of being bummed out about it and feeling like it reflected my knowledge of medicine, I took it more so as, okay, here's the results, where are my problem areas? Oh, that just means that I just need to study more of those areas. So I refocused and reshifted the way I thought about my failures. It was more so, oh, these are the areas that I just need to work more on with the hopes that every time I took the next practice exam until I got to the board, I would just get better and better in those areas. The other thing, too, that I realized at that time was that, yeah, I got those wrong, but then I got some right. So I had to also acknowledge, you know, I might not know this area, but I did very well in this area. So I know something. So I think it's it's that process of just reshifting of what a test means and that it doesn't define your overall knowledge, it doesn't define your brain. It just defines areas that you just need to work more at. Now that we understand what they are, why do these mindsets matter, Dr. Marina?
1: Yeah, so basically they matter because the type of mindset, whether it's fixed or growth mindset, the type of mindset you adopt influences how you view yourself and other people. So let's look at some examples of the consequences of each one. So think about first a fixed mindset. With a fixed mindset, some of the consequences are... First of all, effort is viewed as a bad thing. So if you have to work hard at something, it means you're actually not as good or as talented as you thought you were. So an example of this is um, I mentioned I went to Stanford. Stanford is a pretty elite university. It's very competitive. Um, You have to do really well on tests and high school classes to get in. And when I got there, I learned about this analogy that people had for Stanford students and Stanford students were referred to as sitting ducks. So what do ducks have to do as students? So if you think of a duck just kind of going along floating in a pond of water, on the surface above the water, the duck looks really relaxed and looks like it's just kind of floating along the water really peacefully, really chill. But if you were to look below the water, you would actually see that those little webbed feet are kicking furiously to go forward. So Um, Stanford students had this reputation of basically you had to work hard to make it look like you weren't working very hard, but underneath the water, when people weren't looking, you were actually working very, very hard. So it's interesting because I think that reinforces that fixed mindset that people who get into Stanford are smart, and so they have to prove to the world that they're smart. So they can't show that they're working too, too hard because, again, effort is viewed as a bad thing with the fixed mindset. Another consequence is that you constantly need to prove that you are what you think you are. So you have to prove that you're smart. You have to prove that you're athletic. You have to prove that you're a good cook. And, you know, so it's this constant need kind of for validation. But also, you know, if you believe something about yourself, you need the world to keep telling you that you are the thing you think you are. Another thing is that mistakes and failure can be really difficult. If you think you're smart and you fail a test, for example, it challenges your self-concept. It challenges what you thought about yourself. And so it can create a lot of internal agony, a lot of depression or other things. So again, if you have a fixed mindset, mistakes and failure are really difficult to cope with. And then, like I mentioned, you need validation from others. You need good grades. You need awards. You need other people to tell you how smart you are, all that stuff. And then another thing is that you judge yourself and others below their potential. So you might look at someone else and just make an assumption of, oh, you know, they got a C on that test, or they are not very good at volleyball, or they're not a very good singer or whatever it is, and you just label them. So it's not that you just judge yourself, but you also start to judge others based on what you see at one point in time. So on the other hand, there's growth mindset. So with the consequences of growth mindset, you kind of have the opposite effects. So for example, effort is viewed as a good thing. You know, it's okay to show people that you're working hard because it's through working hard that you get better at something and you know that. Also, you don't need to prove yourself because you know that even if you do badly in one situation, you know that you can change. You know that you can get better. And so one failure or one... Screw up, it does not define you. Also, you don't give up as easily. So, if again you fail something or you don't do as well as you wanted to, it doesn't mean that you're just not good. It just means that you have more work to do to get better at that thing. And then also, you see greater potential for success in yourself and others. So, not only do you think better about yourself, but you also see others, and maybe they're not good at something to begin with, but you know that just like you, they can get better.
0: That was a wonderful explanation, Dr. Marina. So for our listeners, how can you guys actually apply this? So what are some scenarios, Dr. Marina, that show the difference between the two mindsets and how they can
1: affect us in our everyday lives? So yeah, again, examples are helpful to really understand this. So let's pretend that you're taking a chemistry class and you got a D on a test. So if you have a fixed mindset, you're going to tend to think of yourself as smart or dumb when it comes to chemistry, kind of like your story of physics, Dr. Zulman. Yes. (laughs) If you think you're smart, but you got a bad grade, you might try to blame others for the grade. For example, you might blame it on having a bad teacher or a boring textbook, or maybe it was just a bad day. And you don't want to work too hard to get a good grade next time, because that might mean that you're actually not that smart. On the opposite side of the spectrum, if you think you're dumb... You might start to believe that you're just bad at chemistry and you could never get a good grade even if you tried. So you end up not even trying to begin with. So let's say the same situation, but you have a growth mindset. You're going to see things differently. You don't think of yourself as smart or dumb, but you recognize that you have and haven't learned some things. You might review the test and try to figure out what you got wrong so you can go back and study it again. You might ask your teacher for help before the next test or other students, you might have to work harder than some of the other students, but that's okay because you know that you can get better. So again, the same situation, getting a bad grade on a test, but with a fixed mindset, you either try to blame others or you just give up. With a growth mindset, you just recognize that you have to work harder and that you can get better. So here's another example. Let's pretend that you got in an argument with your friend and ended up saying or doing some mean things that you regret. I think we've all been in this situation, (laughs) whether it's with family or friends. So if you have a fixed mindset, you tend to think of yourself as a certain type of person. You're either a mean person or a nice person generally. And most of us, you know, we have an ego. We like to think that we're nice people. And in this situation, you might get defensive if you have a fixed mindset. You might think, well, I said some mean things, but I'm not a mean person. So it must have been her fault. She provoked me. It wasn't really my fault because I'm a nice person, (laughs) right? So let's look at the growth mindset. If I have a growth mindset in that situation, I'm more likely to understand that, well, you know, I really try to be a nice person, but sometimes I mess up. You know, we're not perfect. And in this case, I messed up and I said something mean or I did something mean and I might feel bad about it or maybe I don't. But if I do feel bad about it, I realize that, oh, I can apologize. I can try to do something differently the next time I get upset. It's not a permanent mark on who I am as a person because I know that people can change, including myself. So again, fixed mindset. We get defensive because we want to preserve a certain view of ourselves versus a growth mindset. We realize that we try to be a certain way, but we mess up sometimes. And it's okay. We can apologize. We can change. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think those are great examples. And those are actually good examples in an academic and non academic setting that I think if you're listening and understanding the difference, um, I think you can go ahead and start practicing these with your friends, your family, especially if you come from a fixed, more of a stronger fixed mindset. It's going to take time. But again, with practice, we just get better and more comfortable at it. So thanks for sharing those, Dr. Marina. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing is, what about this thing called natural talent? Aren't there some people that are just naturally born and have the natural ability to be great?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. To be fair, you could argue that there are some true prodigies in this world. So think of Mozart, Mozart who was composing music and playing for European royalty by the time he was like five years old. Or, um, I like this example because there's a Netflix series out about her, but the Latin singer Selena, she had an amazing voice from a very young age. The truth is we are all born with different natural abilities to some extent. Like Selena, you know, maybe she had amazing vocal cords, amazing, you know, something about her physiology just made it so that she had a really good voice, um, even from the time she was young. But it's also true that we can improve at almost anything if we believe in ourselves and put in the work. Like I'm not naturally a very good singer, but I know that if I were to practice singing like an hour a day, I would get better. Like there's, it's just a fact, you know, there's almost nothing that we can't get better at. Of course, some of us do have physical limitations or other limitations that are real, but most things we can get better at if we put in the work. And again, there is some natural ability in the mix. Some people are naturally very good athletes, partly because of you know their body composition, the way their muscles formed, um, their genetics, all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that you can't get better at running or at basketball or at golf or whatever it is you want to get better at if you put in the work.
0: Definitely agree. I think that's a case a lot for a lot of actors. Might not necessarily been, say, naturals, but or maybe some are, but they still need to practice. You still need to go to class. You still need to put effort into it to do better. So. Now that we've talked about it and then you've given many examples on a fixed versus growth mindset, how does this apply to actually being a doctor?
1: Yeah, great question. Why are we talking about this? So remember, again, the Tony Robbins quote, success in life is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. So in my opinion, this applies to becoming a doctor. Of course, you need to take those classes and get those grades and pass those tests. But what is it that's going to motivate you to do those hard things? It's about what you tell yourself in your mind, like we've been saying. So as you do all those things that are required to be a doctor, jump over all those hurdles. I want you to pay attention to what you're telling yourself in your mind or what is called your self-talk. You know, that voice in your head that's constantly analyzing and judging everything that happens. So is that inner voice telling you fixed mindset things like, I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. I'm not good at taking tests. This biology class isn't easy for me, so that means I'm not cut out to be a scientist. If something gets difficult, I should just give up. Or only rich white kids become doctors, not people like me. Or, on the other hand, is that inner voice telling you growth mindset things like, I don't know everything I need to know to be a doctor right now, but I can work hard to learn over time. Or this chemistry class has a lot of new material, so it means I'm going to have to put in a lot of time to master it. Or I didn't do so well on that test, so I think I need to study harder for the next one and go to my professor for help. Or if something gets difficult, it means I need to put in extra effort, and I might need to ask for help, but I don't have to give up. Or nobody in my family is a doctor, but that's because they didn't have the same opportunities or interests as me. If I put in the effort, I can become a doctor if I want to. So looking at your own thoughts, if you find yourself stuck in a rut of having more fixed mindset thoughts than growth mindset thoughts, don't worry. Just like anything else, you can train yourself to get better. And the fact is that becoming a doctor requires becoming a lifelong learner. You are never going to know everything that there is to know about the field of medicine. Even the best doctor on earth doesn't know it all. Plus the field is constantly changing. We're constantly learning new things through research, new medications, new therapies. So if you want to be a doctor, you need to learn how to keep learning. Part of becoming a good learner is to focus on things little by little over time. You don't need to know everything now, but you do need to know how to keep learning. It's kind of like climbing a mountain. You don't just take a few leaps and get to the top. You have to take many thousands of steps to get there. You might trip and fall once in a while, but you can get back up. You can take a break here and there, but you keep going and eventually you make it to the top.
0: That sounds great. And actually right now, a lot of the doctors are in this process with uh, COVID-19. So uh, COVID-19 was not around when many doctors were in school. So right now we're learning literally day by day new information and uh-huh. You know, we're climbing this mountain, learning little by little as we go, readjusting some practices, readjusting some education that we thought about infection before. So that was a wonderful example. And and right now we're actually living it so we can share it with everybody that's listening that COVID-19 has us going through this right uh-huh. now. Uh, so how... If they're listening to this, I think a lot of them would be asking, so how can I
1: actually develop more of a growth mindset? Yeah, so that's a great question. So this is basically a question of how is it that we change how we think about something? So first, we have to recognize that there's something we want to change. In this case, we have to learn to recognize when we are stuck in a fixed mindset about something and that we would benefit from having a growth mindset instead. So say, again, because there are lots of tests, you're about to take a test and you usually get really nervous before a test. And it's not just because the test might be hard, but it's also because you're used to interpreting your grade on tests to mean something about you. So instead of being so, so nervous about the test, you can actually choose to realize that no matter what your grade turns out to be, you're learning and growing and that the grade does not define you or your abilities. So you can choose to start to look at your effort and how much you improved instead of just the grade. And that can actually help you with test anxiety because lots of times we get so nervous about tests or assignments because we're already looking at the future and we're already imagining like what's going to happen if we do badly. So kind of stopping your thoughts in their tracks and saying, hey, like what is the objective reality here? I've worked hard, I've studied, I'm going to do the best I can and whatever happens, it doesn't define me. So unfortunately this requires a lot of practice. The ways that we think are hardwired into our brains. We think a certain way because we were taught by our parents or our family members or our friends to think that way or because we don't know a different way to think. But once we start to recognize that we have a choice about how we think, we can start to rewire our brains and think in the way that we want to. So if you catch yourself over and over having a fixed mindset and decide that you really want to transition to more of a growth mindset, you can consciously make that decision to try to think that different way. But this takes practice. It takes catching yourself over and over when you're in your fixed mindset and consciously switching over to a growth mindset. It's not going to happen overnight. You don't change your brain overnight. You have to be patient. You have to constantly, constantly remind yourself to think in a different way. And after you do it enough times, I mean, this can take weeks or months or even years, depending on what it is, you can change. You can hardwire a new pathway in your brain to uh, eventually achieve more of a growth mindset. Do you have any thoughts about this, Dr. Zulma, how we change
0: Yeah, so I think it's as you said, practicing as much as you can. I still am practicing till today. I did school for so many years and I'm working as a doctor, but I still practice this. And I especially see it creep up when I am in a meeting or a large group setting and I have a question about something that they're talking about. I have an idea. I want to share it and I can literally feel my heart start beating faster before I raise my hand or I even in my mind, I tell myself, wait a minute. Are you sure? How are you going to ask it so you don't sound dumb in front of everybody? So I'm still working on that. And then I have to, at that moment, while I'm there quiet, reshift to think, you know what, it's okay. And what if this sounds dumb? It doesn't matter. Maybe somebody else is thinking about it. And again, that reshifting. So I think learning the growth mindset when sometimes you've been in that fixed mindset for specific areas of your life, it's going to be an ongoing process because those thoughts creep up in there and you have to suppress them and fight them and try to think about the growth mindset and how to address the situation. I don't know if you still go through things like that, Dr. Murray. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs) I think you're absolutely right that you know, nobody becomes perfect at growth mindset is the reality. Um, And you can can have a growth mindset in certain domains of your life, but a fixed mindset in other domains of your life. So it's not like you either just have a fixed mindset about everything or a growth mindset about everything. You know, I can have a fixed mindset about my relationship, but a growth mindset about school, you know, and so every different domain of your life, you know, has its own. Habits of thinking, and yeah, for me, it's a lifelong journey. <laughs> I'm not perfect <laughs> at it. Um, you know, with my husband, sometimes we get in arguments, and I realize, oh, you know what? Part of this is my ego, and part of this is my fixed mindset. So, I I definitely have work to do. Yeah, you
0: know, as you're saying that, it just makes me think. Uh... Even with children, some children, you'll see them naturally navigate more towards being fixed, some other more growth, again, in different areas, as you said, socially versus academically. And even with my son, sometimes when he's working on a project or doing something, he wants it to come out perfect. And Mm -hmm. I have to constantly tell him, it's okay, there's no such thing as perfect. And I got him this little poster that says, we all make mistakes, that's why pencils have erasers. Aww. And so he's been repeating that often when he wants something to be perfect. He said, oh, that's right, mommy. That's why the pencils have erasers, because we all make mistakes. And I said, exactly, as long as we just uh-huh. try.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and he's already, you know, being trained on on more of a growth mindset. And that's wonderful. Yeah, we, how we talk to children definitely matters. Um, we need to try to avoid saying things like, oh, you're so smart or you're so good at this and focus instead on the effort, but not just praising effort. Like, you know, because if someone is trying, trying really hard, but they're not getting better, it means that they're not practicing in the right way. So you Mm -hmm. still can give objective feedback, but really try to focus more on their effort and their change over time, improvement over time, Mm -hmm. instead of just like, oh, you are this or you are that because we're teaching kids when we say those things to develop a fixed mindset in a way definitely so
0: dr marina do you think that growth mindset is the only factor to success so
1: yeah this is a good question and the answer is absolutely not so there are real forces in this world that are going to make it harder for some people to succeed including socioeconomic inequality, racism, sexism, and lots of other inequities that are strongly ingrained in our society. So I don't want you to, you know, come out of this thinking, oh, you know, if I have a growth mindset, I can succeed 100%. You know, there are other things that are going to get in the way of success, unfortunately, in this world. You could be the best person in the world at practicing growth mindset and still face these barriers. So given that we might face roadblocks that we can't control, how can we face them? How can we build resiliency? So Dr. Zulma, I think you have a little bit more experience in this realm of resiliency. What are your thoughts about this? What is resiliency and how can we build it?
0: Okay, so resiliency is very important, I think, amongst our communities as well. So what is resiliency? Resiliency is that process where you can adapt within your situation when you are going through rough times, whether it's trauma, tragedy, threats, whatever the stress is that you're able to navigate through it and know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So we will be talking about this topic and further details in a later podcast because I feel that resiliency is very important for a lot of minorities and minority youth and students as well. So just look for that podcast in the future, which we will announce once it comes out. But for now, what things can you do to just help get a supportive group, practice wellness, take care of yourself, find purpose and within that situation that you're going through, embrace
1: healthy thoughts, and then ask for help
0: if you need it. Excellent.
1: Thank you so much. Um, and like Dr. Somo said, we will have an episode later um, specifically on how to uh, how to develop resiliency. So back to growth mindset, we hope that you've learned something new that will help you on your journey, wherever you happen to be. We hope that this motivates you to maybe look at some of those areas in your life where you have more of a fixed mindset and gradually try to transition over to more of a growth mindset because it really can help you on your educational and on your personal journey through life, whatever it is you choose to be. Hopefully you choose to be a doctor, but even if you don't, it can still be helpful. If you want to learn more about mindsets, we recommend reading Carol Dweck's book called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. It goes into a lot more detail and it gives a lot more examples from school, work, sports, and even parenting and teaching. So again, we hope you learned something new. We hope you continue to listen. As always, if you have any questions or feedback about our episodes, please feel free to contact us through our website and please follow us on Instagram or Facebook if you haven't already. Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to having you join us again soon. Peace and love, everybody. See you in the next podcast.